2: Good morning to you. Going to have a great show lined up for you today. There's a lot of a lot of stories to cover in the headlines and in the what's concerning us. CDC director says masked, fully vaccinated people can safely attend worship indoors. That's fun. Apparently, the Vatican is being criticized for investing in the uh, company that makes the morning after pill. Well, great news, isn't it? And then uh, there's a bishop in Germany who is is eager to provide a path for non-Catholics to receive Holy Communion. And there's another Catholic university who's saying, you know, only, you know, fully vaccinated students can return to class. And then Pixar introduces the first transgender character. So much to talk about in the What's Concerning Us section. But also Karen Garnett, she is the VP of Culture for Heroic Media, and they're giving out, I think, $50,000 to some uh, pro-life organization. So she's going to be our guest in our guest segment today to talk about what is the status of pro-life organizations in 2021? Uh, What are they achieving? What are their milestones? What 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 successes can we look to? What is their impact on the culture? And are we achieving the mission of bringing about the dignity of human life from conception and beyond? And so we're going to talk to Karen Garnett in our show today. Of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz.
3: Good morning. On the bright side, Joe, we have in the headlines lots of people who are finally taking a stand against all of the, you know, all of the evil in the
2: world. So praise be to God. Yeah, <laughs> there is good news. There's silver. There's lining. always good news.
3: There's always, always more good, good, news. good news than bad news.
2: <laughs> praise be to God for that. Uh, and speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Speaking of good news,
4: uh, I'm very excited for the Saint of the Day. We got more Dominicans on the docket. I'm super excited. So (laughs) good news. And and this particular Dominican Saint, Emily actually did a whole video based on his life. So I'm going to link it in our description for our Facebook streams, our YouTube streams. Uh, So uh, that's pretty awesome. So I'm looking forward to the Saint of the Day today.
2: Uh, I should have known. I should have read the fine print. But it, well, I ha- at some point I have to throw a Dominican or two in there. So here you go. This is this is me fulfilling that need for you and for the team here. Praise be to God. But you know, once Emily leaves uh, in in May. There'll, you'll be one less Dominican in the room. What are you going to do then? Oh no! Well,
4: it's it's not going to be a problem at all because we have converted you. You are now a pro Dominican. <gasps> <Converted>. So <laughs> converted, you are you are still you are now a Dominican, no, my friend. I, yeah, mm. I can tell. I can mm. tell. I can see it just mm. glowing off you. Holy glowing. Father Dominic. Is, is with
2: you now. <laughs> is that like a new thing? Instead of the may the force be with you, it's may Holy Father Dominic be with you? Is it? Oh, yeah. Holy Father Dominic predates uh, the force, but okay. yeah, <laughs> he predates. <laughs> All right. Enough shenanigans. Praise be to God. We're going to do uh, the breaking news and stories here with Emily in a moment. Of course, we will do the saint of the day. And yes, there's a Dominican on the hook for today. And then we will look at the gospel. We'll do a short reflection. Then, of course, we will have our what's concerning us section, a ton of stories to chat about in that. And then Karen Garnett is going to be our guest in the guest segment. As I said, she is from Heroic Media. We're going to talk about pro-life organizations in 2021. And then in the next hour, if you are at all able to join us, we would surely love to have you. We will have our game show in the next segment. We're very or in the next hour rather. And prizes are involved thanks to Salem Studio for generously generously sponsoring our prize this week. So three more opportunities to get into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to possibly win this week. So praise be to God for that. And then, of course, we'll have an after show at the end of the next hour as well, where you, our dear audience, get to drive the conversation wherever you would like it to go. We have a fun time hanging out with you in the after show. So all of that is on the docket today for Catholic Drive Time, a big, fun, full-packed show. Hopefully, you'll join us for at least some, if not all of it today. But let's pray. Let's pray for your intentions, whatever is on your hearts, whatever your needs are. Of course, we're praying for our country we're praying for peace in our country and uh, return to Christendom around the world. Of course, we are praying for our, our own needs here at the Guadalupe Radio Network and the Station of the Cross, who was in the midst of fundraising this week to support their Catholic Radio Pasta. Please, if you're in the Station of the Cross Network, please consider making a financial contribution to help keep the doors open, the lights on, and Catholic radio waves flowing in your community. All right, And I'm also praying for our team here at the Catholic drive time for Emily's, uh, you know, move back, transition back to Chicago, and then uh, God's perfect provision to replace her here on the team. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto Thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To Thee do I come, Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
3: President Joe Biden unveiled his proposed American Families Plan on Wednesday, $1.8 trillion in new spending that would federally subsidize daycare and incentivize both parents to work outside the home. The plan calls for universal quality preschool to all three- and four-year-olds, two years of free community college, direct subsidies to ensure that low- and middle-income families spend no more than 7% of their income on childcare. In all, the American Families Plan includes $1.8 trillion in investments and tax credits for American families and children over 10 years. The administration claims it will be fully paid for over 15 years by increasing taxes on higher income Americans. One of the plan's stated goals is to enable those who dropped out of the workforce, particularly the approximately 2 million women who left due to COVID, to rejoin and stay in the workforce, meaning the Biden plan would reduce the number of mothers raising their children full time. Two years after the bombings in Sri Lanka killed hundreds at several churches and hotels on Easter Sunday, police on Saturday arrested a former cabinet minister and his brother for alleged links to the bombings. Their attorney claimed the arrests were politically motivated. Rashad Bathuddin, who leads an opposition party in the Sri Lankan parliament and formerly served in the cabinet, and his brother, Riaj were arrested in Colombo on April 24th for allegedly aiding and abetting the suicide bombers who committed the Easter Sunday carnage. The 2019 church bombings occurred in the middle of Easter Sunday services and killed more than 260 people and injured over 500 people. Two Sri Lankan groups who pledged allegiance to the Islamic State group have been blamed for the attacks. Foreign intelligence warned the government ahead of the bombings but a power struggle and a communication breakdown between the then president and prime minister reportedly led to a failure to coordinate a security response. In a video posted to YouTube on April 26th showed young people climbing up the side of St. Rupert's, Vienna's oldest church, at night and draping a banner reading in full, God cannot bless sin, Roma locutia causa finita, meaning Rome has spoken, the case is closed. The video explained that they took the step after a rainbow LGBT pride flag was hung from the church's tower in protest over the Vatican's doctrinal congregation's no to same-sex blessings. Campaigners in Austria and Germany have announced that they will hold a day for blessings for same-sex partners on May 10th in defiance of the Vatican statement, which was issued with the approval of Pope Francis. Representatives of the group known as Christus Vincit, who wished to remain anonymous, said We wanted to show that such a provocation is not simply tolerated in Vienna, and on the other hand, we hope that this might trigger a rethink among certain officials. We also think that such an action can give other Catholics courage and hope. We actually hope that no further actions will be necessary, but should there be another one it would arise from the same intention, namely to defend the Catholic faith. I'm Emily Alcaraz and these are your Thursday Morning Headlines Through a Catholic Lens
2: saint peter verona pray for us saint peter was born in 1205 in verona italy a son of Carthist heretics he was educated in a catholic school at the end and also at the university of bologna in italy he embraced orthodox catholicism upon hearing the teaching of saint dominic he became a dominican at the age of 16 received in the order by saint dominic himself eventually would become the prior of the Dominican house in Cuomo, an ordained priest, of course, an inspired preacher in the Lombard region. He spoke often against the, the Carthuses. Now, this is a heresy that is not unlike Manichaeanism. It's like a dualist philosophy, a sort of a Gnostic belief, separating evil from good within the person. And it's clearly a, a heresy that has been condemned by the church. He was called a second Paul because he turned from heresy and tried to convert his former confriers. He became the Inquisitor for Northern Italy in 1234, appointed by Pope Gregory IX, and assigned to preach against Manichaeanism. He evangelized throughout Italy and was a noted miracle worker. However, on the 6th of April, 1252, he was murdered by the heretics. He was struck on the head with an axe and then stabbed through the heart on the road to Milan. He'd be canonized on the 25th of March, 1253, by Pope Innocent IV, St. Peter Verona. Pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 16 through 20. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you, if you do it. I am not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. But so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. For now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen. Amen. I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I kind of wish we would we would have backed up a few verses and talked more about the washing of the feet. But we kind of did that back in Holy Thursday as well, but I just, I love that particular passage. I love all of the the priestly elements, the allusions to the Old Testament priesthood there um, with the 12 in the upper room with Jesus. So I just, I just love that whole passage. However, we're seeing this interesting uh, line here about Jesus making it very clear that he knows the ones who are the elect and he knows the ones who aren't right? So he also makes this point right off the bat here, the disciples, apostles, and bishops would be servants of the chosen. They would be servants of the people whom Christ has chosen, whom the Lord has chosen, his elect. And that is a very key uh, part to say, hey, when you guys are being sent off into your mission to go to the four corners of the earth, remember what your role is, remember your mission. But it's, again, going back to this very critical line here about Jesus. He's saying, I am not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. That is as a cut right to the heart. Origen, our favorite Catholic drive time heretic on the, on the team here, says, the words refer to the sentence above. The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that, is, that sent him. For Judas being a servant of sin, was not a servant of the divine word, nor an apostle when the devil had entered into him. Our Lord knew those who were his. That's pretty uh, cut right to the chase kind of a sentence, isn't it? Now, Jesus quotes Psalm Psalm 41 here in this passage when he talks about uh, that there would be one that would betray him. Now, let's read that real quick because I think it's important. Psalm 41, I'm going to back up to verse 8 through 10, but the verse he quotes is verse 9. It says this, They say a deadly thing has fastened upon him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my bosom friend in whom I trusted, who ate of my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But do thou, O Lord, be gracious to me, and raise me up, that I might requite them. I think that's fascinating because it not only ties in the betrayal of Judas, the betrayal of the close friend, the bosom friend, as the psalm says here. I'm reading the RSVCE version of that, by the way. It also ties into the resurrection. And again, the very next passage in John 13 that we read was about the I am, the ego me. We've talked about that in the past. The burning bush, the name of God. Tell them ego me sent you. Tell them I am have sent you to free you. Jesus is making it very clear who he is and whose he is. Let's make sure we are a part of the whose he is by recognizing who he is. Amen. We'll be right back. What's concerning us is coming up
5: next.
3: Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas
2: Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Coming up in about 20 minutes or so, Karen Garnett, the VP of Culture for Heroic Media, is going to be our guest in our guest segment. They're 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 giving away. I think it's like fifty thousand dollars to a potential. uh, There's like a list of potential um, possible recipients of this uh, grant, money, this gift, this incredible charity. For their pro-life work. And so we're going to talk to her about the state of pro-life organizations in 2021. Who are these people? Why these and not others? What is their impact? What what can we show for their successes? And can we get that money? And (laughs) And do we qualify? No, we're not going to ask that. That's funny, though. Uh, so that's coming up 20 minutes from now. But there is a whole lot of news, like, uh, news headlines that I saw that I would love to dive into, and I'm sure the team has some others that they would like to mention as well. Um, right off the bat, this is from The Pillar, thepillarcatholic.com. Vatican criticized for investment in morning after pill producer. Now, we remember the scandals with the Peter's pants? We had the... Uh, the money that that got shipped to Australia, and there was varying accounts as to how much it 's a lot of money to you and me um but the the original number was massive and then it got pulled back quite a bit afterwards, still in the millions if i 'm not mistaken uh and then of course, we had the the movie uh the the gay biopic of what 's his name the uh, the pop star uh they invested in that elton John uh, thank you Elton John, and then there was the property investment in london that is still is a big issue in fact cardinal peroline was just roped into that in a in a warrant which we, we talked about that i think it was the week before last so that was another issue so we're seeing these scandals over and over again but here we go again Vatican criticized for investment in the morning after pill producer now if you don't know if you're not aware the morning after pill is an abortifacient it's a pill that you can mail to someone's house they can take them. I think they have to take two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's like two doses or they're like, have to take one, and then there's a period of time, then they take another one, and it causes an abortion in the woman. So this is what the article says over at The Pillar. The Holy See invested funds in a pharmaceutical company which produces an emergency contraceptive morning after pill, an Italian news outlet reported, but sold its shares in the company when the Vatican's auditor reported the investment to senior church officials. Praise be to God for that. I guess you could say once they realized that this is this is an issue, they got they got themselves out of it. I'll give them credit for that. It says according to a former senior official at the Secretariat for the Economy, the Vatican held the shares at the same time that former Vatican finance czar Cardinal George Pell pushed for policy that would have required Vatican investments to align with the principles of Catholic social teaching. Pell first proposed that policy when he was appointed to the Vatican in 2014, but when financial advisors pushed back on the plan, the Cardinal's efforts were stymied. Can you imagine? Why in the world, who at the Vatican would suggest, no, we shouldn't have to invest hard earned donor dollars from the lay faithful all over planet Earth? into investments that align with catholic teaching. We should have the freedom to invest in other things that have, you know, contrary opinions to catholic teaching. Who at the Vatican would say that? And why do they, why do they still work there? I guess that's the critical question for me. Why in the world would we have people working at the Vatican, the Holy See, who would feel like it's not necessary to ensure that our investments align with church teaching? I don't have an answer to that, but it just it begs the question. It's rather I'll, rep- I'll We'll link to the article so you can read the entire thing for yourself and you can get all the details if you wish. But essentially, that's the core of it. Why would we invest in such things? And I, I can, again, I'm at least glad that once it was realized that they sold their shares and got out of it. Praise God for that. Did you guys watch the State of the Union address <laughs> last night? Nope. No way. <laughs> Did you watch the Oscars? Uh, no, of course not. Yeah. Did you?
3: I'm just kidding.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, ouch. No. I got you for a second there. <laughs>
3: like,
4: I had to think about that. Okay. No. I, I watched recaps so of, watch of the State of the Union, but I didn't want to watch an hour and a half of Joe Biden uh, stumbling along. Come on, man.
2: He did, Actually, from what I gather, he really didn't stumble all that much. He must have worked very hard to to deliver that speech because uh, his stumbles were pretty limited from what I, what I can see. Now well, I it's also his first speech in a hundred days. So I also have not, I did not watch the entire speech. I did watch also highlights the highlight reels from a few different sources uh, to kind of get the gist of it. And of course it was what we would have expected. I would imagine, you know, $6 trillion worth of spending uh, essentially is what he's proposing. Um, 1.8 trillion uh in his additional I think it was it the uh infrastructure plan or something like that, or the american families plan i mean just the the numbers are so massive it 's hard to wrap your brain around it of course gun control uh the the border issues i mean you name it, he had Laid the entire plan out there. He threw out insurrection about a thousand times. I mean, just he hammered the insurrection word. But the one thing he said that really caught my attention was he made some weird statement about we the people. He, we the people, we the people. And then he turned and said, it's the government. It's you and me. We are the people. And I, I heard him say that and I thought, what does he mean by that? Like what in the world could he mean by the government is we the people? The government represents the people, and yet there are citizens that serve in those roles, and therefore they are a part of the people, but the government is not the people. The government is merely there to serve the people, kind of like the apostles were to be servants, leader servants, so is the government intended to be servants of the people. And it made me just think about all of like, um, how many people are fed up with lockdowns and like the CDC, right the cdc came out with this was according to um i want to say this where was my oh right here it's the washington post cdc director says masked fully vaccinated people can safely attend worship indoors okay What if we, the people, decide we're not going down this road Or what if we, the people, have been going to Mass indoors without Mass since last March? Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah, besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? But my point is, it's like, think about all the things that this government has just said. This is what you're going to do no matter what. But what if we, the people, decide differently? Then how is the government deciding on behalf of the people when we the people have made different decisions like it just it boggles the mind a little bit and now i i can i can understand that if we took votes on certain issues that i'm passionate about you know the majority of we the people might have a different opinion okay great but my point is his statement seems to suggest that it's the government that is we the people and therefore we the rest of us should just go along and be unified as he his he you know, asked us to be in his speech. Uh, That's how he ended his speech to us. We need to be unified according to his plan and what he wants. But what if we, the people, don't agree? What if we, the people, feel that abortion is evil and wrong and the and death of, an, of a human person? What if we, the people, believe that, that uh, God made man and woman in his likeness and image, and marriage is an institution that should be defended and protected, and it, it serves to better society, It is the foundation, the bedrock with which children are born into this world and given love and life and education and and taught to be good humans, let alone contributing members of society. What if we, the people, believe that there is truth and that truth as a person is Jesus Christ? What if we, the people, are sick and tired of, of this nonsense that goes on with socialism and dancing with the fire of communism? What if we, the people, are tired of all of that? Do we get a say? Or do we get the, the labels just tossed about so uh, flippantly? Insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. Where was that term when Oklahoma's uh, capital got raided the other day, last week, by a mob? Hmm? What about in Portland when the courthouse is being firebombed with, with federal agents inside? No insurrections are being thrown about there. I just, that's the one thing that bothered me the most about his speech. Well, the,
4: one of the things that, that bothered me about what was going on there is the idea that uh, women need to have uh, more daycare, that the government should be paying for daycare and other things to, uh, to basically – my friend Josh was pointing this out – to replace parenthood. And this is incredibly concerning to me because we—that's not the problem we have. The problem isn't that we can't get kids into daycare. That's the whole point of government schools, uh, what's often referred to as public schools, but are literally they're government schools. And uh, instead, we need to promote uh, women staying home and taking care of their children. If we could uh, have policy that goes that direction, well, praise be to God. But we're doing the exact. Opposite. In fact, uh, we had I don't have the uh, the article in front of me, but there was uh, a Democrat uh, politician who back before she was a radical Democrat. She actually wrote a scholarly paper on how women in the workforce actually lowered the wages for men and caused a forcing of women into the workforce because now because men were getting paid less for work it was required to have a two income household in order to survive mm. and so now men have to if they want to have a uh, be have their wife stay at home they need to work three or four jobs i did uh, i know my father worked three or four jobs so it's uh, probably still and uh and it's and it's crazy and the the and whenever this was starting whenever this movement of women into the workforce started they were saying these these feminists were saying no we can't just say you know if women want to work they should be allowed to work no 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 they said no we must force women out of the homes and into the workforce because if given the choice, they will choose to stay home. Uh, so it, this was a deliberate effort, and they were still doing it, and we're pushing even further. We have to, we're saying we need more women in the workforce. We need more of them to be wages uh, to be making money. Uh, it lowers the quality because we have this dichotomy between work and a job. Mm. It's like, yes, I, we have to go, men have to go to get a job and pay, make money for their family. But women are working at home. They're making home. Uh, they're homeschooling their children. What greater it, work is yeah. there? It what was, greater
2: influence on the world? It was one of the greatest investments my wife and I decided to make in, er, you know, early on before our children became um, a bigger role in our life. We had just adopted our oldest son, and we had to make a tough decision and that was to invest in having her come home, her leave her job. She made more money than I did at the time. And she came home to raise our children, to be there for our children, to provide that foundation. It was a major investment. I had to take three jobs. I was working, you know, con- nonstop, constantly. And I was also still trying to finish college. And it was a rough time. And, but it was the best investment we have ever made into our family. And that's the problem with society. It has lost common sense on many levels, uh, natural laws being tossed out, and we act like we can make up the rules as we go, and we're seeing the consequence of this in the tearing apart of the very fabric of society, which is why it's concerning to me when we have uh, you know endless spending, trillions upon trillions of dollars, printing money. That's going to destroy uh, the future generation's ability to be debt-free. This is never going to happen now. And guess who owns our debt? What is the biggest holder of American debt? It is China. Well, if you had debt and you can't pay your bill, what happens? They foreclose. They come collecting. they, they, They do things to you that you don't like and are not comfortable. Well, what happens on a grand scale? What happens on a country scale? I'm sure it's not going to be pretty, but that's where we're headed. Massive inflation, debt, fabric of society ripped apart, marriages, and the rest. A new evangelization is needed, that's true, because so far the old one hasn't quite gotten there. Let's pray fast and do penance. After this short break, Karen Garnett will be our guest, and breaking news, all coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. This is Dale Alquist with
6: a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff, it's inevitable. So just accept it. Well, G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. We have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now, this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made. It's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McClain here,
2: host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time real estate for life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations real estate for life offers their clients a faith-based experience real estate for life is online at realestateforlife.org that's realestateforlife.org god love you
3: welcome back to the catholic drive time show today's thursday april 29th and these are your headlines for today Two prominent Canadian anti-lockdown politicians have vowed to fight any charges leveled against them as a result of attending a church service this past Sunday led by a Protestant pastor who has kept his place of worship open contrary to the COVID-19 restrictions. The service was held at the Church of God located in Ontario by Pastor Henry Hildebrandt. Independent MP Derek Sloan and Independent Ontario MPP Randy Hillier are facing charges up to $100,000 or even jail time because they attended what was one of the largest church services held in Ontario during the lockdown. Both Sloan and Hillier are to appear in an Elgin County Provincial Offenses Court in June, according to the CBC report. The Church of God was also charged for failing to comply with the Reopening Ontario Act and, if found guilty, could face fines of up to $10 million. Ontario Premier Doug Ford recently introduced extended stay-at-home orders that placed a 10-person limit on church service attendance size. After public backlash, the Ford government walked back some of its coronavirus rules less than a day later. In London, hundreds of thousands gathered over the weekend to protest the British government's COVID-19 restrictions and what was one of the largest public demonstrations in the UK in months. The rally called the March for Freedom drew an estimated 100,000 or more people who packed the streets on Saturday to denounce vaccine passports and other extreme coronavirus measures. Journalists have described the event as possibly one of the largest protests the UK has ever seen. Similar events that drew around 18,000 people were broken up in Berlin on the same day. The UK has employed some of the hard, harshest COVID-19 measures in the world, but finally began allowing restaurants and other non-essential businesses to reopen earlier this month. The British government also recently announced plans to introduce vaccine passports for citizens to prove their COVID-19 vaccine status before being allowed to attend public events or travel. And seven priests are currently hospitalized with COVID from the Archdiocese of Ranchi in one of the states in India, with some of the poorest medical infrastructure in the country. Bishop Theodore Mascarenhas, an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese located in Jharkhand State, took each of the priests to the hospital because there were no ambulances available. In an interview with Colm Flynn, Bishop Mascarenhas said, I have seven priests in the hospital right now, and those are the lucky ones who found a hospital bed. I have another seven seminarians who are sick, lying in their beds in a house close to the hospital. I took them to a house for the aging because there was no room for them in the hospital. I lost a priest, 30 years old, just one year after his ordination, five days ago, and it hurts," the bishop said, recalling that he was with the young priest and fed him coconut water until the last. The neighboring diocese of Dumkau, also in the darkened state, lost five priests to COVID in the last ten days. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Today's the day, by the way, dear listener, where we ship out our email. We always do it every Thursday. Sometimes we do it more than that, but generally it's every Thursday. And today I'm giving out the third installment of the three-part series on the Radical Choice. So if you want to get that, plus the free talk from Father Bill Casey on the state of the church. Uh, Where are we at today? Where are we going? And what do we need to do? Uh, That is a powerful talk. Very short, 30 minutes, I think, but very powerful. You'll get that just by signing up to the email. Uh, So you can get on the email a couple of ways. One is going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The other is to pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN, to the number 42828 so text grn to the number 42828 i'll send that out uh, around lunchtime i think uh, joining us right now via zoom chat is karen garnett she is the vp of culture for heroic media and national prayer luncheon for life executive director and spokesperson good morning to you miss garnett
5: good morning joe
2: praise be to How- god uh we're grateful for your time today and for being on, you—you uh, you got a big event coming up. I think it's uh, tomorrow, right? National Prayer Luncheon for Life. I think it's April thirtieth, so it's tomorrow.
5: That is right.
2: Let's start with uh, before we dive into those details. Tell me about Heroic Life. What is hero- uh, Heroic Media, rather, and what do you do?
5: Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for this opportunity to to be with you this morning and with all of your listeners. Heroic Media uses internet advertising to go head-to-head against Planned Parenthood and abortion facility ads every day. Um, when women are doing Google searches, internet searches for abortion information and they're abortion determined, we place ads to compete with, her, with uh, Planned Parenthood ads so that when they click on our ad, they will be connected to one of our life-affirming Pregnancy Health Center partners, and have the opportunity to choose life. So she's redirected away from Planned Parenthood and to the opportunity to choose life. So our, our theme is reach, connect, save. We reach them when they're searching right where they are, first line of defense, connect them when they click on our ads and connect to one of our partners. And then if they, we, we track everything, if you go to Herug Media's website, you'll see how we track from clicks to appointments made, to appointments kept, to chose life rate. And and that's that's how we're in the battle every day against Planned Parenthood.
2: Now, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, Heroic used to purchase billboards, right?
5: Yes, yes. When our company was first founded in 2004, it was mass media advertising, which Mm. is billboards and television, which is very, very expensive advertising and also extremely difficult to measure the results or impact people are watching. You just don't know if it's actually making a difference. And the company shifted when the world became much more digital in the late 2000s. And we have a very expert, expert uh, marketer with a corporate marketing background. Wharton MBA, Brett Atterberry is our now our president and CEO. And he's the creator of what, what we call OASIS, which is the acronym for On-Demand Alternatives to Abortion System, very laser focused on right where. The activity is taking place, which, as we know today, is in your hand on the phone, and that's where all the tracking and the measuring can can take place.
2: Now, can I ask you about this sort of the, how you guys have fared at that? Because with digital, you know, content being the what it is, you know, the overlords of digital content don't love. The pro-life message. They don't really appreciate what you're trying to accomplish. How have you guys been able to get, you know, still leverage these platforms and use these methods to to reach these people uh, undetected? Have you run into trouble?
5: Well, Google put a, you know, a, a, a policy in place and you're um, coming up on two years ago where if you were not a pregnancy center, you had to have a disclaimer. You did not provide abortions. You had to have a little disclaimer. on. Oh, ad but our ads are not they're not in any way overtly pro-life you have to be as Brett says you know you have to be congruent with the mindset of the person with where they are right now and she is abortion determined she's abortion minded and what she's looking for is abortion so you have a competing ad that basically it doesn't say oh choose life it's are you looking for information about abortion accurate yes we can help we're the ones who provide the real help, right? Yeah. And so clicks on our ad and it doesn't say heroic media and uh, it connects to our pregnancy help center partner. And even, even they're, they're super well-trained just as Jesus did in the Bible, answering questions with questions um, to, to engage with her and, and help her to make an appointment to have that opportunity to make the decision for life. So it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's just, it's really, really well done. And because it's well done, then it's we're having uh, we we have save every single week and we um, we publish that every week in our weekly uh, in our weekly newsletter.
2: Wow! Praise be to God. Karen Garnett is our guest <laughs> VP of Culture for Heroic Media and National Prayer Luncheon for Life Executive Director and spokesperson. Let's talk about the event, the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. It's happening tomorrow uh, between twelve and one. It's a, I guess this is a free online event. Tell us all about it.
5: Yes. Um, Our founder, Brian Follett, our company was founded in Austin, Texas. He had the vision five years ago that just as we are are, um, competing every single day, going head-to-head against Planned Parenthood online through the ads, that we would do a direct counter to Planned Parenthood's annual luncheon in Dallas. So they have a very large luncheon. So we started it five years ago in 2016 to do a same day, same time, counter luncheon, okay, and um, it grew exponentially over the years. Uh, we had 650 people the first year in 2016, and by last year, we had 3,000 people in person, and that was five days before the global pandemic was announced, and <laughs> changed, okay, so um, for looking at what to do for this year, are there even going to be in-person events, and, you know, the world has just changed so much, and and so we've shifted the focus. It's no longer a fundraiser for Heroic Media, for our ads to compete against them. It is now shifted the focus to really be a prayer event. It's going to be an hour of power, hour of power, prayer-centric event where we have a number of prominent uh, prayer leaders who will be giving words of inspiration and 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 uh, praying. And then we've turned it into a. a, a a, a more national focus for the movement as a whole, because we have nominated five outstanding pro-life organizations for us to be able to give the national prayer luncheon for life pro-life impact award for the very first time. And we're giving three grants. We're giving um, pro-life impact grants of 50,000, 20,000 and 15,000. And that has, that has just invited the huge national audience already.
2: All right, hold that thought. Karen Garnett's our guest with Heroic Media talking about the National Prayer Luncheon for Life, which happens tomorrow. We're going to link to it for uh, to give you some information. You can join it. But we'll be right back after this very short break. We're going to talk about those pro-life organizations and their impact. That's coming up next.
6: I just can't do this.
5: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
6: Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by the things you're supposed to do? St. Benedict has a word for these situations. He tells us in his rule to wait until we can think it over or talk it over calmly and reasonably. Then, we should simply trust in God's help and do the best we can in love. Sometimes, when we think we cannot do something, we are really afraid of not being able to do it perfectly and thus being embarrassed or disappointing others. All we are responsible for is doing the best we can. We can do no better than that.
5: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com minutemonk.com.
6: We simply need to calm down, admit that what we will do will not be perfect, but that the best we can do will probably be more than sufficient.
3: Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org.
2: Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Real quick, I want to thank uh, those people sharing our video right now. Praise be to God. Glenn, Patty, Chris, Gina, um, Madeline, thank you so much for that. We're so very grateful to you. Praise be to God. It really helps us. Uh, Karen Garnett is our guest, and we were talking just before the break about the National Prayer Luncheon for Life happening tomorrow. It's a free online event. The website is nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. We'll link to it on our social feed so you can see it there. Praise be to God. Uh, Karen, welcome back to the show.
5: Thank you so much, Joe.
2: Now, you you left on an important note that we had to shut you off because we had to go to break, and that was you're giving out money. Um, and that always gets people's attention. So, praise be to God for that. So, I want to start there. You, you have? Do you already have a list of the pro-life organizations that you're considering these grants to, or is it still opportunities for people to suggest pro-life organizations? How does this work?
5: Okay. So, for this first year, with our decision that we were going to shift this and make it more of a prayer and national participation and and joining together and honoring and recognizing groups who are, you know, you know, on the front lines doing amazing work, we, our company, made the decision to nominate the five organizations for this first year's pro Life Impact Award and grants. And we chose these five organizations because our company also produces, publishes Pro-Life Magazine four times a year, where we, we go in-depth, we do in-depth interviews with pro-life organization leaders to help educate people about the work that they do. We think about it, we have over 5,000 pro-life organizations across this country. When you look at the, the local and the state and national, you know, combined, thousands. And a lot of people don't know. They just don't know what the different groups do. So Pro-Life Magazine had already done in-depth interviews with these five And we chose them for this first year. And on our website, there's a page, uh, nationalproluncherforlife.org. There's a nominees page where you can read about each one of these five. So the five we chose this first year are And Then There Were None, which is run by Abby Johnson. And that's the organization that that reaches into the abortion facilities with love to try to love them out. They've helped over 574 workers leave and um, just have had great impact. The second is focus on the family and their option ultrasound program has helped 450,000 women choose life. This is amazing. Um, the third is sidewalk advocates for life. That's headed by Lauren Musika up here in Allen, Texas. They are on site in 202 locations and have helped over 12,000 choose life on the sidewalk with abo- abortion appointments, right? The fourth one is students for life of America and, um, they're, they, they're, they have grown from, uh, fit, I'm, I'm looking at my notes, from 50 to over 1,240 active chapters in all 50 states, have trained over 120,000 life advocates, and their group has the most online conversations and in-person with those most targeted by the, by the abortion industry, the young people, and they measure uh, 31% minds changed rate. And then the fifth is in the legislative space, and that's Susan B. Anthony List, and they have been working for decades to try to help get pro-life people elected into legislatures in Congress because without pro-life people in place, we can't have pro-life laws. They've been over, just since 2016, 1,074 pro-life laws enacted and abortion restricted in the state legislatures. That's phenomenal. So they do amazing work as well. So what we did was we opened up the voting for the country, voting opened on March the 24th, and we allowed voting for a month, which was, voting ended on uh, Friday, this past Friday at midnight, so that we could tally the votes and make the presentations. The the winners will be announced live tomorrow at the end of the luncheon program. So it's 12 to one central time. All the nominees are coming. They'll have representatives from each organization. They'll be praying with us, praying with our prayer leaders throughout the the event, and then we'll make the announcement and give the award and the three grants live at the end of the program. It's very exciting.
2: Yeah, praise be to God. That is very exciting. Um, I guess it must have been very difficult to narrow the field down to five. Um, you know, like you mentioned a minute ago, there are literally thousands of organizations across our country, let alone internationally, who are working to... Um, Bring about the dignity of the human person at conception. So, how diff, I mean, like, what were, like, who did, who only barely missed the cut? Uh, That's, I guess I'm curious. Who's the sixth and seventh one that was like on the cutting room floor and they were that close?
5: Gosh. um, You know, we, we really prayed about it. And these were the five um, who, who came to us through prayer, especially because we had already profiled them and, and, and the word impact. Is in the name of the award, pro life mm. impact award and pro life impact grants, because they have to be able to demonstrate significant, measurable, quantifiable mm. impact. They they need to the report. There are a lot, there are many amazing pro life organizations across the country, but they don't report. Some don't don't. They just don't report their results. And again, going back to our CEO Brett and coming from the business world, he. You know, people are looking and praying every day. He it talks to a lot of business people about where where to invest, where to you know where are you going to get return on investment. Who is reporting successes? And um, this is one of the things that we want to do is to be able to to spotlight and elevate and pray for these very successful organizations who are who are really moving the ball down the field. Mm. Now, what we're going to do for next year. Is open up nominations to the country, just like we've had thousands of people voting in, for this first year. We need to open it up and learn about. We don't know about every impactful organization out there. There may be a, a, a pro-life organization in a small town doing amazing work, beating you know Planned Parenthood. We don't know about them, and, and through the nominations process, we'll be able to learn about them. Pray over it, you know, make make a, a, a slate of, of nominees. But we'll be able to help bring attention to these groups. That's Another thing about this is it's not just an annual event that happens on one day. We will be doing this profiling throughout the year, publishing in Pro-Life Magazine about organizations through the National Prayer Luncheon for Life website. We're also going to start a podcast monthly where we are going to be interviewing and just helping people learn about um, amazing pro-life organizations, and, and we, can be, uh, we can focus our prayers even more. So we're coming together to pray and unite to save lives.
2: Mm. I see you got uh, David B. Wright, uh, one of the founders of 40 Days for Life on there. You got Alveda King. Uh, she is the uh, niece of Dr. Martin Luther King, a very famous uh, pro-life evangelist in our country today. Astrid uh, Bennett gutierrez is on there, too. Praise be to God. So you got some interesting speakers. Uh, what will be the uh, format one more time?
5: So um, we, we do have limited in-person. We do have several hundred people who will be gathering in-person um, this year with the COVID, many less in-person. But the, the focus is more on the growing, the virtual audience. Everybody who ha- takes a lunchtime, or even if you're not taking lunchtime, we want to invite everybody to join virtually, 12 to 1 central time, nationalprayerlunchandforlife.org. You can go to the website today, click on the button to register um, in advance to be able to, to you know to, to log in. And, but it is going to be live streamed from our location. We'll all be together in person, but we'll be live streaming the event. So everyone, no matter where you are, can join with us and, and pray along with us and hear the, uh, hear the winners announced at the end. David B Wright is our MC. David is a master at virtual events, so we're really grateful that David's coming in. And um, we also have our bishop here in Dallas, Bishop Edward Burns. He, he's, he prays at our luncheons regularly. Bishop Joseph Strickland is on our board of directors. He is not able to be with us in person because of, of confirmations, but we have Bishop Strickland's full support as well. So we'll go through a format of, of prayer leaders giving words of inspiration and then praying and moving from one to the next. So, um, so we'll have David, Bishop, bishop Burns, um, uh, Bridget Van Means is she's on our board and she's the president and vision leader of Thrive Nation out of St. Louis. She is absolutely so Holy Spirit filled. Every time she talks, um, you are inspired. We have Bridget. Then, as you mentioned, Astrid is the um, she's the president of the Vita Initiative, coming in from Los Angeles, and and Alvida. Uh, will be our our final uh, prayer leader and speaker before we head into the presentation of the awards. And Alveda is also the Executive Director of Civil Rights for the Unborn, just, at, just the perfect spokesperson in this country um, for this issue, which has claimed so many lives, over 60 million already lost. Mm. Um, you know, we've, In this current administration as well, where there's, we're seeing reversals of, of pro-life um, uh, advancements, we need to come together and pray together and unite more than ever before. So we just invite all your listeners to go to NationalPrayerLuncheonForLife.org. To register to, to come online with us tomorrow and spend this hour with us
4: Karen Garnett is our guest we have about two minutes left in the uh, in the show in this hour and uh, we are I was wondering can you leave us with a good story something a positive to leave us off with um, what successes have you seen with these organizations in particular these five organizations that have made the the final cut uh, what or what successes have you seen?
5: Uh, and, and I will sh- I will share this and then also encourage people to go to our website where you too can read about each one of them, including our interview that we did, our interview that we did in Pro-Life Magazine is posted with each one of these organizations. But um, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, the successes with, um, and then there were none, with, with, with over 574 workers leaving, including seven abortionists, they've actually been able to through their their healing and getting out of of the abortion industry, they've been able to testify in state legislatures, and they have helped close 26 abortion facilities themselves. Here's a story with them. Abby Johnson is coming up, of course, for luncheon tomorrow, but she has to leave out to head back because they're doing a healing retreat for six workers this very weekend. Praise be to God. Glory. And um, as I mentioned, 450,000 moms have chosen life through Focus on the Family's Option Ultrasound. 1,000 have chosen life on the sidewalks. Uh, 120,000 life advocates have been trained by Students for Life of America, and we have a record number of pro-life women in Congress now through uh, these list efforts. So that is winning wow. back. On the way to winning the
2: war that is a great lineup national prayer luncheon for life.org is the website get registered today it's a free event you should check it out but karen garnett with heroic media thank you for being on with us today we're very grateful to you
5: Thank you, and God bless
2: you. God bless you, too. God love you, and have a great day. That is going to do it for hour number one. Join us in hour number two, if possible. Prizes are involved in the game show, and it's going to be a lot of fun, plus the after show and so much more Catholic Drive Time. You can find the links at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. and God bless you. Thank you
0: for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
3: and inspired.
6: I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all just legend. Is that what the church teaches?
7: Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII, in the encyclical Humani Generis, states... The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural generation from Adam or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, the church teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39, Therefore, whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, Paragraph 375, The Church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here. Paragraph 404, By yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how to myth commit personal sins. Adam and Eve's are not myths Genesis does not contain myth or legend That is church teaching Challenge anyone who teaches differently To produce their sources from a magisterial document They can't do it They can, however, produce countless books and articles by theologians Not good enough
0: A beacon of truth in a troubled world This is the
2: Guadalupe Radio Network Radio for your soul Welcome to
0: your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him.
0: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Just wrapped up a great conversation with Karen Garnett. She is with Heroic Media. They're doing the National Prayer Luncheon tomorrow, and we were talking about that, and we'll post that conversation later today on our YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and elsewhere. Praise be to God. So you'll be able to check that out. But do us a favor and share that. When you when you see that come up in your feed, please smash the share. It really helps us out a lot. But a great conversation nonetheless, and very positive positive response to the pro-abortion industry i would say um great great interview right emily
3: yeah and i'm so glad that they're recognizing those ministries especially i really love and then there were none because i can't imagine how difficult it must be to be someone who has worked in the uh, abortion industry and then wakes up to the fact that they're actually harming women not helping women like i can't imagine the emotional toll the mental toll of that. So I'm so glad that there's a ministry that reaches out to those women.
2: Mm. You know, and I think it really contradicts the the stereotypical arguments that are made against us saying that we hate women or we, you know, uh, we somehow are bigots and, and hate mongers when that's certainly not the case. I mean, so often I've heard the argument say, well, you know, you want babies to be born and then what? You know, but I, I can think of probably five or six examples of organizations just in this city that I live in now that are actively walking with pregnant mothers to birth and beyond, helping them with places to live, food to eat, diapers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, at least five right now that I can think of just in this city alone, let alone all across the country. So the arguments are uh, just not true. And I think this is a good example of of how to counter those misconceptions. About, you know, about what our intentions are. It is for the mom, it is for the baby, it is for the doctors, the nurses, and everyone in between, because the dignity of the human person is made in God's image and likeness. So, praise be to God for that. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning, good morning. Yep, it was a great interview. Really enjoyed it. Super excited
4: for, and I didn't know that there were over 5,000 pro-life organizations across America. That's amazing, that especially amazing. since like all of these are pretty much grassroots organizations. They just pop up. People are like you know wanting to fight for life, and they just create an organization all over America. Whereas the uh, the pro abortion ones, these are not grassroots movements. They're getting funded by uh, yeah. these massive corporations mm-hmm. in the U.S. government. So it's
2: amazing to see five over five thousand pro life organizations. Praise be to God. I know. I can. Ma- they're giving out money, so. I just can't imagine how hard it would be to narrow that list down <laughs> just to the five that they are. I, know, from. Right? That's horrible. Uh, they would, I would not want that job. <laughs> the pressure involved in that is just too high for me. Thank you, but no. Uh but next next year they're gonna open it up wide and then all the, the uh the, the people are gonna be able to decide. They're gonna be able to put names into the hat and Let other organizations also be considered. So praise be to God for that initiative. Again, we'll post that video later today. All right. uh, So today in this hour, uh, we are going to do the good news segment with Emily. Um, It's it's always her way of countering the, the negative news that I like to bring up all the time. A little balance is always good. Praise be to God. So the good news segment's coming up. And then we're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Then we're going to do Fear and Trembling, the game show. Three more chances to get into the prize this week. Praise be to God. Our game show sponsor this week is Salem Studio. By the way, we link to them over on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We link to all of the game show sponsors there as well, as well as gloryandshine.com. And realestateforlife.org. They're all linked up over there. Praise be to God. Uh, I think also, if I'm not mistaken, Adrian, are we live broadcasting uh, directly on our webpage today? I forgot to ask you about that.
4: No, we're not. There is a issue that happened uh, so we're not a, we're not able to do that today.
2: Someday we, we will get there. We
4: were broadcasting on there for about five
2: minutes, <laughs> and then uh, and then now we're no longer. That's uh, so. all right. Praise be to God. We will get there. Also today, in the second half of this hour, we are going to do a uh, uh, an after show where we will conversate with you about whatever it is you want to talk about, whatever is on your heart, on your mind. You get to drive that conversation. All you got to do is be on one of the social streams, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. So that is this hour. Hopefully, you'll join us for all or part of that. But let's pray for your intentions. Of course, uh, you can comment if you're hanging out on a live video stream, or your guardian angel knows your your intentions. Certainly, the Lord does, and we will include those as well as our own. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
3: A virtual three-day summit dedicated to St. Joseph will feature over 40 evangelists and aims to connect Catholics with their spiritual father. The summit, Our Spiritual Father, Pilgrimage to the Heart of St. Joseph, will be held online from September 30th through October 3rd and will be hosted by Deacon Steve Greco, the President of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. The ministry will partner with Cardinal Studios to broadcast the summit online. Presenters at the summit will include Father Donald Calloway, Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco, Bishop Kevin Van of the Diocese of Orange, Dr. Scott Hahn, and Chris Stefanik, among others. This is the largest gathering of Catholics for all things related to St. Joseph. The upcoming summit will include presentations from many other bishops, priests, religious evangelists, and lay leaders as well. Those who sign up virtually will attend and be able to interact with Deacon Greco and participate in live daily prayers and healing services. People can participate in the conference free of charge. An actor on the internet show The Chosen, which tells the story of Jesus, praised the show's accommodation of his disability in his character's role as an example of positive inclusion. In an interview, Jordan Walker Ross, who plays the role of the Apostle James the Lesser, explained that he has severe scoliosis and minor cerebral palsy, conditions which manifest themselves through a pretty noticeable limp, very limited flexibility in his torso and legs. In the past, Ross's disability prevented him from being cast in lots of roles, and casting directors even would tell him to lose the limp when he auditioned. Ross said that he found it notable not only that a disabled actor was cast in a fast-growing show, but also that his character was rewritten to accommodate for his disability. He described this act as another level of inclusion and visibility of disabled actors. Ross said that the scene features his character's struggle for self-acceptance and fighting his insecurities, which he said would lead him to the realization that not everyone needs to be healed. Pope Francis said on Wednesday that Christian meditation is a way of encountering Jesus and not a withdrawal into ourselves. Speaking at his general audience on April 28th, the Pope reflected on what distinguishes Christian meditation from other meditative practices popular in the Western world. The Holy Father said, quote, "...for us Christians, meditating is a way of coming into contact with Jesus. And in this way, only in this way, we discover ourselves. This is not a withdrawal into ourselves. No, no, it means going to Jesus and from Jesus, discovering ourselves healed, risen, strong by the grace of Jesus, and encountering Jesus, the Savior of all, myself included, and this thanks to the guidance of the Holy Spirit." The speech was the 31st reflection in his cycle of catechesis on prayer, which he launched in May and resumed in October following nine addresses on healing the world after the pandemic. In his address, Pope Francis also noted the growth in popularity of meditation throughout the West, saying, It's not only Christians who talk about it. The practice of meditation exists in almost all the world's religions. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things St. Peter, Verona. Pray for us. St. Peter was born in 1205 in Verona, Italy, son of a Carthist heretic, educated in the Catholic school and at the University of Bologna. He embraced Orthodox Catholicism upon hearing the teaching of St. Dominic. He became a Dominican at the age of 16, received into the order by St. Dominic himself. He became the prior of the Dominican house in Cuomo, Italy, ordained a priest, and noted an inspiring preacher in the Lombard region. He often spoke out against the Carthist heresy, which is a dualist philosophy, not unlike that of the Manichaeans that St. Augustine also preached against. He was called a second Paul because he turned from heresy and tried to convert his former uh, confriars. He became the Inquisitor for Northern Italy in 1234, appointed by Pope Gregory IX and assigned to preach against Manichaeanism, and he evangelized throughout Italy and noted miracle worker as well. However, on the 6th of April, 1252, he was murdered by these heretics, struck in the head with an axe, and then stabbed through the heart on a road near Milan, Italy. He'd be canonized by Pope Innocent IV on the 25th of March, 1253, St. Peter, Verona, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 16 through 20. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen, but so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord praise be to jesus christ in all things um one thing that just stood out to me and the last hour i also commented on this gospel passage however uh the in the quoting of the psalm psalm 41 jesus is quoting psalm 41 verse 9 here when he says the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me This, the thought of the of the connection to the holy eucharist the food here that jesus is feeding his disciples is the body blood soul and divinity his body blood soul and divinity is the holy eucharist this is when he instituted the holy eucharist the sacrament and he gives it to his apostles and judas uh partakes to his destruction to a damnation according to a saint augustine they then who were chosen ate the lord he ate the bread of the lord to, inj- to injure the Lord they ate life he Judas damnation for he that eateth unworthily eateth damnation to himself wow that just struck me I did I hadn't thought about that last hour but it's a pretty powerful realization Adrian what did you find so here I could talk about predestination again of but of I course won't. you could but i won't <laughs>
4: uh becausecause uh this whole I, i'm I'm just noticing for this for the first time, but the Gospel of John is like talks about predestination. So much, like every time we read something, he talks about being elected, being chosen, and these kind of things. So it's very fascinating. But I'm not going to talk about it, even though I just did. Um, so I'm going to talk instead about the last verse right here, verse 20. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Uh, now, Cornelius says, you know, this kind of is kind of confusing. Why did our Lord decide to put that here? Uh, it seems like he's referring to his crucifixion. But that doesn't make sense because that's not what he's talking about right now. He's talking about imitating him in humility. And then he's also talking about being betrayed by Judas. And so he's saying, what what exactly is it that he's saying here? And so Cornelius Lapide says, St. Cyril said that we are, he's referring to the fact that we should imitate the apostles. And the apostles should be, uh, we should imitate them in their witness of preaching the gospel and of dying for Christ uh Cornelius Lapide goes on to quote others who say instead that no this is actually referring back to the first verse in this passage about um being humble about imitating our lord in the washing of the feet and uh, Jesus washed had uh, G- and when Jesus had washed the disciples' feet he said to them amen amen I say to you no slave is greater than his master so i think that's also an important point to note is the humility that we must have in reference to all things according lapide then gives examples of great humility of the bishop saint charles borromeo that during the pandemic that was happening the black plague he would go out and wash the feet of the of the sick he would go out uh with a with a uh, cross that he would carry he would literally go out carrying a cross and people would accuse him of lowering the dignity of the office of bishop and he said no this is uh the exact office of the apostles of which I am imitating uh same thing Cornelius Lopez gives the example of saint francis xavier or saint francis uh saint francis xavier yeah when he went he said, you know, this whole you changing the beds of sick people and all of that, that's not becoming for an apostolic legate. And he's like, are you kidding? Of course it is. This is exactly what Christ would do. And so with this idea of
2: humility is, I think, uh, the thing to get across. Uh, not that I am great at it. <laughs> all right. Praise be to God. Let me be the judge of your humility, sir. Let me be the judge. That'll be an after show conversation, I'm sure. All right. Um, we're going to play the Fear and Trimony game show right after this very short break. So call now if you want to be a contestant. 877-757-9424. 3 questions, three Catholic trivia questions. And you don't even need to know the answers to win. That's how cool the game is but you do learn something anyway 87-757-9424-87-757-9424. fear and trembling catholic trivia game shows coming up next don't go anywhere we'll be right back
5: we all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org.
1: Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin, because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin.
2: Joe
7: McClain!
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do not share this with anyone. But on this show, on this game show, we like to share a little bit about the faith so you always learn something you did not know before. We like to have a laugh in the process And give out prizes. So it's kind of a win 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 for everybody involved. But we don't ask our caller the questions so they don't even need to know the answers. Because I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, and one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily.
3: This week's prize sponsor is Salem Studio. You can find them on their website, shopsalemstudio.com, as well as on their pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Salem Studio, great idea for a Mother's Day gift. They have accessories, apparel, baking supplies, candles, uh, houseware, ornaments, rosaries, so many different options um, I know that they, your mother would love something, especially the prize that we're giving, they're giving away this week is the spoon and cork trivet bu- bundle that you can use for cooking in the kitchen. And it has a St. Teresa of Avila quote on it. So thank you, Salem Studio.
2: All right. Praise be to God. Uh, Thank you for those that tried to call in our program today. If you didn't get on the show today, tomorrow is a new opportunity. Uh, What is today? Today's already Thursday? Oh, my. So tomorrow is the last chance, last three chances tomorrow, so you'll still have a chance. At any rate, let's go to the phones here. Annabelle, good morning to you. Thanks for being on our program.
5: Yes, good morning.
2: Praise be to God. Where are you calling from?
5: I'm calling from Frisco,
2: Texas. Frisco, Texas. That's just outside, I think, Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, where Correct. Do you, where do you go to church?
5: St. Francis
2: of Susie. Oh, praise be. I think I've been there, actually. Uh, it's been like, a number of years, but I want to say I have stopped by there in the past. Now, Annabelle, are you familiar with the show? Have you been listening?
5: Yes, I have been listening.
2: Okay, so then you know. It, it's tricky it's very tricky business <laughs> and uh emily and adrian i think they're out to get you i'm just saying i can't prove that but it, it could be true i however no, I, am I, on I your side
6: the other way. I, what? I <laughs> <better>. <laughs> she knows what's up <laughs>
2: she knows the truth <laughs> totally busted wow that's fun annabelle thanks thanks for that all right all right are you ready to play annabelle Yes, I am. All right, Emily, we will start with you Okey as dokey. is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? I'm ready. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Emily, can you tell me covetousness is a sin against which commandment? The seventh. Wow. Pretty fast. Do you, do you know what the seventh is? Any idea? Any idea? Yes, I do. Okay. Any, you want to share, possibly, or no? No. Oh, okay, just the seventh. All right. Yeah. what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, the uh, the sin of covetousness is a sin against which commandment? The tenth. <laughs> Have you guys been colluding today? Like, sharing notes or something? Like, okay, what is the tenth commandment, Adrian? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Siri,
3: what's the seventh commandment?
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Adrian is on the hook for the tenth commandment. Oh, she
3: actually looked it up. And-, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Emily is on the hook for the seventh commandment. Ten or 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Annabelle, what say you? Ooh. Yeah. Uh- See, I tried to help you, know, but, you there, but they weren't playing along.
7: It's the last along. commandment. It's the last
2: commandment. So it's not agent. Uh, okay. You're saying it's the last commandment?
7: The first commandment.
3: The first. The first. Yeah. That's actually not one of the options.
2: <laughs> so Emily said seventh. It's seven.
3: seventh, which I think is lying. Is it's, the seventh lying?
2: No, stealing. Emily. Okay, I was
1: close. Emily is right, yes. Survey so anyway, no, says... I'm not no, 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 no. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> wrong.
2: I, I, right, Emily or Adrian? Stop. Emily is I'm wrong. Survey says... I am confused. She said Adrian. She said Adrian. Okay. So you okay.
6: are so <laughs> almost going to get that wrong,
2: Annabelle. <laughs> you were like that close to getting it wrong. You are correct, though. In fact, Emily... Like <laughs> Emily is wrong. She is so, so wrong. Uh, because <laughs> okay. the seventh commandment is, you shall not steal. And the 10th right. commandment is, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. So, praise be to God.
3: Oh, Lord, even,
2: though, <laughs> even though my neighbor has a brand new Ram lifted truck with the off-road package, sparkling metal flake paint job, I shall not covet my neighbor's truck. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, Annabelle, Amen. congratulations. You are in the uh, the Divine uh, Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. You you might win. Praise be to God. But you get two more chances at this, and I want to say it gets a little easier from here. So let's mm, just... Probably uh, not. Let's just... I'm
5: good. I'm sweating over
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how it goes this time. Adrian. Now, this should be right up your alley, Adrian. So let's just see here. Adrian, can you tell me... What is the instrument used by a priest to sprinkle holy water on the faithful? We see this a lot at Easter time, right? That little uh-huh. instrument, they, they, they just, the, the, the wand thing, I don't even know what it's called. But what is that thing called that the priest uses to sprinkle holy water on the faithful? That would be a Crotullus. kazuntite. Thank you. What, what was the answer? A Crotullus. What What was your answer? a a krotolisr ot C r o t a l u s, okay okay uh, Emily can you tell me please tell me what is the instrument used by a priest to sprinkle holy water on the faithful
3: yeah I don't know what Adrian said but this is an aspergillum
2: kazoon <laughs> type what was the answer aspergillum aspergillum the two of you today I don't know what to do here all right so Emily says aspergillum and Adrian says "cretulus, Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's confused? I don't know. Annabelle, what say you?
7: I am confused,
5: but I <laughs> think it's Emily.
2: Survey says Woo! Yep. Two two two. that was a hard one. That was a hard one. They were not going easy on that one on Yann. Annabelle. Annabelle's a winner. Oh. You nailed that one. That one I think was harder than the Tenth Commandment. I one. think so
4: too. Yeah. And uh, the Aspergillium is actually used. All throughout the year, except during Lent and uh, I think Advent. In the so, TLM, yes. Right. So during uh, in the before mass starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a uh, hey, cratulus is the clacker that's used
2: in place of the bells <laughs> during uh, during uh, Holy Week. Oh, uh, the clacker! My my <clears throat> son was so excited to to pull to flip the the clacker thing during. Yeah. The technical name is a Yeah. Praise be to God. Well, we all learned something today: the cratulus, the clacker, the aspergillium, the wand thing. You did good, Annabelle. Praise God. You nailed that. We got one more to go here, though. Let's uh, go back to Emily this time. Emily, can you tell me what is the Mariner's Aid? Mariners, like seafaring folk. What is the Mariner's Aid that is one of the most widely used Christian symbols representing hope?
3: Um, Oh, and the weatherman comes. And sugar and <laughs> okay, I'm, we're running out of it's time. It's an
2: anchor. It's an anchor. Oh, anchor. Okay. Thank you, a- a- Adrian. Can you tell me what is the mariner's aid? Like the, the seafaring people, like uh, sailors. What is the mariner's aid that is one of the most widely used Christian symbols representing hope? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a mermaid. A mermaid. I'm fairly certain. Okay. Thanks, Adrian, for that. You're welcome. No problem, man. Uh, Adrian is on the hook for the mermaid, and Emily is on the hook for the anchor. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's too obvious? Emma, what say you?
0: I'm going with Emily.
2: Emily.
0: Woo! There you go.
2: Where's my duh button when I need it most? (laughs) Like, Duh! (laughs) congratulations annabelle you you were not fooled in the least you were almost fooled on the first one to be honest but you were not fooled in the least you got three questions right you are in the coffee cup of divine providence three chances to win how do you feel
7: oh i'm all
2: sweaty (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't that bad come on It it was fun you did great you were a great sport we're very grateful to you today
5: All right. Well, thank you so much.
2: It was fun. All right, Annabelle. We're going to put you on hold in case it be God's divine providence and his will to pull your name out of the cup on, on Friday, which is tomorrow, so you'll have to tune in, but we'll put you on hold to get your phone number. But otherwise, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day today, Annabelle.
7: God bless you, too.
2: That is going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time today. Praise be to God. We're very grateful for you tuning in and being part of our show. It's always so much fun to to have a laugh and to learn some new things. It's, it's We love that part of the show and we're grateful that you do too. So thank you for that. If you can, join us in the after show. We surely would love to hang out with you. You get to drive the conversation. Whatever's on your heart, all you got to do is comment on Facebook, on YouTube, I think Twitter too, but I honestly never look at the Twitter comments. I don't even know. Tomorrow, we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, Jason Jones is going to be on the program. We're going to talk about why Hollywood has gone woke and what that means for for our entertainment and plus sherry blumquist is going to be on and a lot more catholic drive time 6 a.m central 7 eastern keeping you informed and inspired that's our mission that's our goal and we're glad that you make it possible god love you god bless you we'll see you in the after show thank you for
0: joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
3: and inspired
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome to the after show where we conversate casually, letting our hair down. Some of us have more hair than others. About whatever it is that's on your heart, on your mind, whatever you want to talk about, that's on the agenda. All you have to do is comment. Uh, let us know where you're from, what's on your mind, what questions, comments. Uh, anything is really available to you. So just let us know, mermaid. <laughs> I'm reading some of the comments right now. If Appreciate we can
3: have St. George and the Dragon, why can't we have mermaids?
2: Hmm. Tough questions by Emily Alcaraz. Most
3: of the ocean is still unexplored.
2: That's true. That's true. Um, tons of questions here. Mermaids are real. Mermaids are not real. Thank you, though. I watched Little Mermaid. It. I know. Prove it. <laughs> hmm. I want to thank uh, Christopher Velasquez uh, for hanging out with us today. Is Military Mar B. a new commenter? So just so you know, if you're new here, uh, first-time commenters, they get extra love. We give a little extra love to the first-time commenters, just to say thank you for commenting. We're very grateful to you, so.: yes. I want to say Military B is a brand new commenter.: I think so. Yeah. Praise be to God.: Hallelujah. 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 Praise be to God, Thank you for commenting for the first time. Very grateful to you, Andrea. We're going to get back to you here in a moment. You bring up an excellent point worthy of a great conversation. We'll jump into that in a little bit. Pocahontas, good morning to you. Uh, It's good to see you here. Praise be to God. Lori Powell and Melanie and Jesus Robles, our friend, friend of the show, uh, is here, obviously. Uh, Mary Barone, praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Um... There's a lot of comments I'm having to pile through without reading them. Josh Knoll, good morning. Josh says, uh, please pray for Hondo. Apparently, a big storm's out in Hondo. That's my friend. Uh, His property's out there. That's where we go hunting and camping every year. Uh, Definitely, we'll be praying and checking in with him today. Susan Weber, Mm -hmm. good morning to you. Joaquin, good morning. Praise be to God. We're glad you are here. Thank you for for hanging out with us. Luz and Gloria, good morning to you. Thank you for, for being on with us today. Praise be to God. And then I see Valerie As well as Christopher Chance, of course, our friend, our hashtag king of the world friend. Um, Let's see. Who else is here? Valentin, Valentine, Elizabeth are both on. Yeah. Bruce. Patty. Good morning. Praise be to God. Let's see. Anybody else? Uh, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling through a lot of comments. That's why. William Peace. I think he's new. Do you all recognize William? Yes. He's been here before. Oh, okay. Never mind. I know it. it. I hate it when I do that, too. It's like, oh, why didn't I recognize that? Uh, but William's been here before. Yeah, praise God. Thank my my out. my dear friend um, is on right now.
4: Oh. He's, he's there. Excellent. Making awesome comments as usual. How are your papers going, Jesus? <laughs> uh, he just learned about, uh, he's about to put in, uh, about mermaids into his paper. Oh. So I, I can tell it's already going to happen. You, you are going to be responsible and for this man. Uh, getting an
2: F on his paper. He's so welcome. He's so welcome. It's it's gonna make the paper so much better. No, no, it's not. Hey, don't listen to them. Don't listen. Monica Cortez. Good morning to you. Elizabeth, Betty. Good morning. Thanks for hanging out. Valentin. Good morning. Um, Josh switched over to YouTube all of a sudden. You're confusing. Whoa, the, whoa, whoa. Josh, you're confusing the space time continuum, pal. Okay. <laughs> Mister- all right, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> this is true this month. Dale. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Please, got. All right. So um, I'm trying to I'm trying to like go through some of these comments with, like as quickly as I can. Buddy. Good morning to you. It's good to have you back here, brother. Thanks for doing it. Valerie says she's going to miss you, Emily.
3: I'm going to miss you too, Val.
2: Uh, the game show is so fun when I'm not driving. Elijah's grandma took him to school this morning. <laughs> uh, Annabelle was a lot of fun this this morning. Yeah, yeah it was what a good sport! Great, and th- I mean it was hilarious. The t- she was like confused, like I know it's the last one. I have no idea what Adrian or Emily are talking about. <laughs> I, I, whenever
4: Emily answered the way I did, I was like, I was like, I have to do the same thing.
2: <laughs> Valerie, I thought it would be hilarious. Look what look what you have done, Adrian. You are responsible. You're gonna to have to give an account someday for what you have done. Praise be to God. Valerie says we watched the Jesus is a friend of mine video. You know, I, there's
4: a this lot. This is all your fault. There are a lot of things that I'm going to regret on my on Judgment Day. A lot of things. A, like, there's a whole like I, I can't even start numbering them. But this is not one of them. This is not one of the things I'm gonna regret. Uh, you know, whenever I at judgment seat at the judgment seat, my Lord and my God is gonna to turn to me. And say, Adrian is a
2: friend of mine. Well um, well done,
3: my good and faithful mm, servant. <laughs> amen. Amen.
2: Oh, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because once you've seen that video, there's no unseeing the video. This is you, true. You can't unsee it. It is there, stuck in your mind. You're welcome. The rest of your day is spent reliving that video. It's that bad. You're welcome. Uh, Valerie, I'm so sorry. My deepest, sincerest condolences to you having watched that video. It's Adrian's fault, though. I hold him responsible. I I take all responsibility for it. However, Buddy makes a great point. I think Buddy makes a great point. The horns of the apocalypse are a great and appropriate means of greeting the church militant. Amen. Amen. Good call, Buddy. I agree with you. Come on, man. Christopher Chan says he could... He could... To a comparison of the siren in the Odyssey, what are you saying, Christopher? <laughs> is this like Old English? No, is that he's, what I'm reading he's here? Saying,
4: he's saying we should you should do a comparison of the sirens in the Odyssey and uh, the Little Mermaid and the Little Mermaid, uh, and see the difference between the the, the the mermaids. Interesting. Uh, it's yes. actually incredibly interesting because the myth, mythologically speaking, si- the sirens, which are mermaids, were kind of evil creatures, uh, and yes. also and but the Little Mermaid makes them like. Humans. Well, uh, so it's very interesting. They also used it. Oh brother, where art thou? Have you seen that? Oh version? yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah. O brother, where the art sirens. thou? Uh, yeah. It's kind of, kind of weird. Were they, were they sirens? Yes. I thought they were just like women preying on men. Same thing.
3: Yeah, that's what sirens are. <laughs> well, what, sirens
4: were specifically
2: like mermaid-like creatures, like they well, lived these, in the water. Well, in where, oh, brother, where art thou? Where are they? Down by the water. I mean, there's, there's, so there's a, an allusion to that still. Oh, well they had legs. And they did it mm-hmm. intentionally. I mean, that was they, they were trying to bring that into the
4: film. Praise be to God. Josh said I have to see the video now. Praise be to God. Oh, Josh, man. Thank you, Josh. Don't, don't, don't do, you, do Josh. it, Josh.
2: Amen. Uh yes, okay. So, uh Andrea brought up an excellent point from our "What's Concerning Us" commentary, and Elizabeth Betty is also in support, and I agree with her. Uh, also in support of Andrea's kids with special needs may need support and services that cannot provide at home, especially kids. Okay, so let's back up and then we'll we'll, we'll circle back. So in the "What's Concerning Us" segment, we were we were talking. We got we got. I can't remember how it started. To be honest, it was but, the State of the Union address. State of the Union address that sort of triggered the the line of conversation, and we were making. The commentary was really on modern society forcing a two-income home. That was where the commentary was, forcing the two-income home. And Andrea brings up an excellent point. She says, be careful about judging women who work outside of the home. Myself and many others are using the gifts given to them by God and the education they worked hard to provide for the families. Amen. Praise be to God, Andrea. uh, We we can appreciate that. And I think Elizabeth is also, uh, Betty is also in support of that idea as well. One of the things I wanted to mention in regards to this conversation, and one of the things I talked about in the What's Concerning Us segment was how my wife and I made a tough decision after the adoption of our oldest child that uh, we would invest in our family by bringing her home. She made more money than me. She had a better job than I did at the time, and it was hard. It was a hard choice to come home. And by bringing her home, changing her, her career from being outside to inside the house, it was the greatest investment in our family we've ever made and ever will make. I had to work three jobs to try to make ends meet. And it actually led to moving my family from New England back down to Texas because I was, frankly, tired of working three jobs and trying to finish college and trying to be a husband and father was just overwhelming. So moving to Texas gave me the opportunity to have a single income versus three, uh, and that made life a little easier anyway. So praise be to God. But I also wanted to say, you know, my parents were divorced when I was six. My dad was in the Army. My mother didn't graduate high school. She had a GED. She cut hair. And um, we didn't live very large. I mean, we lived in the poorest neighborhoods, generally speaking. Uh, There were many times where I can remember the electricity being cut off, a couple of cans of food in the the cupboard, those kinds of things. It was hard. My mother worked her tail off to make sure that we, you know, had a quote-unquote normal Life. She worked exceedingly hard to provide for my sister and I. Now, my father, of course, paid child support, praise be to God, but because of the large number of divorces in our society, that places an undue burden upon many women that have no choice. They have no choice. They have to do what they got to do. Now, there's one scenario. The other scenario is what Angela, I think, is uh, bringing up. Or Andrea, Andrea, forgive me. Andrea. And that's uh, women who are using their gifts to to support their family. And there are many reasons for doing so. So there's not really a judgment on on, on my part, and I'm sure, Adrian, I'll let you speak for yourself, because I know you had some comments as well. There's not a judgment on our part about women. It's more about the need to raise incredibly Catholic families uh, to... Not only for their sake of their souls, but for the souls of of the, of the our strangers in our community as well, but at the same time recognizing the many situations and scenarios in which um, we find ourselves and we have to make tough choices that are often imperfect, and uh, we have to do the best we can, given the cir- the circumstances Adrian, did you want to say anything
4: yeah sure the I think there's a there 's a lot here to mm-hmm. to discuss, and I think the the problem here is. We're not I'm not we're not judging anybody who does a particular thing. Um the idea here or the, the idea that I was trying to get across was simply uh what is the ideal? What is the ideal? What was it intended? So just like um divorce happens and sometimes a separation of the of the uh husband and spouse, uh, the husband and wife is necessary for instance if extreme example of like a uh, a husband is beating his wife, uh, and abusing his, her children. Well, then yes, absolutely. You should separate from them, even maybe even civilly separate from them, but that doesn't mean that you're no longer married. Uh, so there's an ideal and then there's the circumstance that we're in. So yes, of course, if a mother is a single mother and then many other circumstances, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's circumstances where it's necessary for women to work. Um, what I was speaking of is the ideal. It is ideal that we have a single, um, income families that are able to sustain a, a family off of a single income. That's mostly not possible nowadays. And that's why my father worked three or four jobs his whole life, because he wanted my mom to be able to stay home because my mom wanted to stay home and take care of us. And that was necessary be, to work that many jobs in order to, Pay for it. Um, not everybody can do that, and so the it, it, these are the circumstances we live in in the modern society. Uh, the the meme we live in a society. Um, so yeah, I think that's we're talking about the ideal. And the, obviously, the people's circumstances change the the act, the moral act of certain things. Like for instance, you shouldn't work on Sundays, but if you uh, need to work on Sundays in order to provide for your family and it's the only day you can work, well then obviously you got to work on Sundays. Our Lord said that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Uh, so that's very important to keep in mind. And my comment on the, on the single income family, this is regard to statistics because we know for a fact that the communists were pushing this. We, they wanted women in the workforce. They wanted it. Why? Because it destroys the family. Um, whenever the entire society is like this, it's another thing. Whenever it just happens, whenever, uh, on occasion and when circumstances demand it, but whenever you change the entire society where it's expected for all women to work, that's the problem. This is the problem we're having. And when this happens, uh, even from leftist sources, we know they also affirm the fact that whenever uh, women have did a mass um, movement into the workforce, it drove the wages down universally. And so now it's necessary for men and women to work in order to provide for their families. And um, and I could pull up the statistics uh, if we wanted to have that discussion. Uh, maybe we, we should have that discussion at a later uh, point, but the, uh, that's the that 's just the, the the point that I was trying to get across and i don 't think uh, judging anybody 's in particular case is anything that we 're talking about i uh, uh, certainly i can 't judge the state of anyone 's soul based on what they 're choosing to do uh, and all I know is that I am incredibly grateful that my dad was willing <clears throat> to make the sacrifices, and my mom was willing to make the sacrifices to uh, stay at home and take
2: care of me and my siblings and homeschool my little sister. So, I, I'm grateful for that. Amen. Uh, I want to give Emily a chance to, to weigh in on this if she's inclined to do so, but I just saw a comment come up on YouTube from A.M. Ham, who who made some uh, interesting comment, seeming to judge Catholics on what they believe or don't believe, clearly out of ignorance, A.M. So, I'd like to address that in a moment, uh, if I could, to give you some clarity on what Catholics actually believe versus what you're, suggesting there but emily if you want to jump in you're welcome to do so
3: no i I pretty much agree with everything y'all have said i i think um in a lot of ways women gave up their power and influence and society has really gone to the dumpster since women left the home because children need their mothers Um, and and i think that's the that is the ideal situation for mothers to educate their children in virtue and in um in other things but we live in the reality is that we live in a world today where that is not possible for most women. Um and it's it's really difficult for women who do try to like that's a really difficult path for a lot of people and not everybody has the privilege. It's truly a privilege in our society to be able to have a single parent, single income household. Um, not single parent, single income. So absolutely no judgment to anyone. I know many, many incredible, virtuous women who are in the workforce, some because they choose to, some because they have no choice. Um, and I'm very grateful to all of them. And I think that that doesn't make them any less. And I think they, yeah. I mean, imagine if we lived in a world where we didn't have people like Abby Johnson or Dr. Carrie Gress or women, Alice von Hildebrand, who was the great philosopher. Imagine if we didn't have those women who have changed um, society for the better so I'm very grateful to all
4: women and uh, real quick before Joe goes into the comment uh, from Aham uh, Lori said live like that electric water cut off so I had to work while I was married after divorce the ex did not pay child support I am a single mom. I had to work outside the home to support my children. I would have rather stayed at home. Life is full of choices, and we do the best we can yep. and utilize yeah. my talents when and where we can. Amen. That's that's exactly the point I was making. Like Lori says, like as such, like she would have rather stayed home to take care of her children. But yeah. you know, circumstances dictate other things. And
2: God bless you, Lori. Yeah, that's, thank that's you amazing. for your sacrifice. Yeah, amen. Praise be to God. A lot of single moms are in situations that they would rather not be, but they are anyway, which is why I was giving praise yesterday to Texas, considering getting rid of no-fault divorce, by the way. Uh, I think that would be a, a huge uh, move in the right direction for the state of Texas, but for the country at large, the world. Alright, uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about Ahem's comment. Ahem, I want to thank you for being a first-time commenter. Praise be to God for your generous uh, first commenting here. Now, You make a statement, uh, sort of seeming to judge Catholics based on what you think we believe or not believe, so I want to address that. But still, nonetheless, you are, in fact, the first-time commenter, so... <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Um, but he says this: this is Ahem's comment. He says, Jesus loves you. Jesus is king. He wears the crown. He paid for it all in Calvary. Not Mary or the Saints. A-S A P. Um well, Jesus loves you. Yes, praise be to God. Jesus is king. Yes, praise be to God. He wears the crown. Amen, brother, preach it. He paid for it all on Calvary. Yay and amen. Absolutely. Not Mary or the saints. Of course, Mary didn't die on a cross, nor did any of the saints, but he is the mother of our Savior. And I I would never want to stand in the, my judgment, looking Christ, my savior in the eye, the man who poured out his body, blood, soul and divinity. Are you looking at me on this camera? Can you see the crucified Lord Jesus behind me? Look at the scars, the blood he poured out, the suffering, the torture that he endured for you and for me and for our salvation. Will you look him in the eyes and will you insult his mother? I wouldn't. Never in a million years. Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much. The second person of the Trinity, God incarnate, loves you so much that he didn't just die for you on the cross. He gave you his mother at the foot of the cross. When he turned to you and said to the beloved disciple, behold your mother, and to his mother, behold your mother your son. And that very day, according to the gospel of John, she went into the home of the beloved disciple. Aham, are you the beloved disciple? Because if you are, then you should take the mother of Jesus into your home this very day. You should do as, as the Lord has commanded. He gave you not just himself on the cross. He gave you his mother. He gave you his, his apostles. He gave you the saints who died as martyrs, as witnesses, as, uh, as those that would go before us. The heroic martyrs of the faith, those that would witness and testify to Christ and to his truth, they are now united perfectly to God in heaven, and they want exactly what God wants and nothing less, and that is that all should come to a saving knowledge of the truth. And that is why, when you look at John 15, for, for instance, and you see the vine and the branches, you remember that? Go look, John 15, the vine and the branches. What is the vine? The vine is Jesus Christ what are the branches? You and me. Well, let me ask you a question, John. If we are connected to the vine, and the vine takes us to heaven, and there are more branches up there connected to the same vine, when we commune with these other people in heaven, the church triumphant, or here on earth, the church militant, it is the vine that connects us. It is God himself, it is his supreme good pleasure to give us not just himself, but to give us a family. His mom, his dad, the gift of the paraclete, the saints, his brothers and sisters, the ones, as Jesus would say, who is my mother and my brother and my sisters, but the ones who do the will of God and who, who but our lady has ever done perfectly the will of her divine child, not you and not me. She is the only one in sacred scripture called full of grace. She is full of God's grace. The absolute maximum amount of God's possible grace in a human person was given to this creature, not to me, not to you, or any other person besides her. Just her. She's the only one. And that is why uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, "...we are surrounded by so great a crowd, a cloud of witnesses." What are those witnesses? By the way, Hebrews chapter 12 is a description of the Holy Mass. We have come to Mount Zion, to the holy hill, where we are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us and standing there in unity with us, the church triumphant and we, the church militant, coming to the foot of the cross." to our Lord and Savior sacrifice, mystically transported through time to be there at the foot where the priest standing in the person of Christ, being the one to do the work as the Lord commanded in the upper room. John chapter 20 and 21 makes it very clear. You sit there and it is the, it is not a, a re-crucifying of Christ. Uh-uh. We have been mystically transported to the foot of the cross. And like the Apostle John, we look up and behold the flesh and the blood, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given to us as true manna come down from heaven that we may partake and eat and have God's grace inside of us that we might make the pilgrimage, the journey across the across the the, the, the river there to be baptized and enter into the promised land because without baptism you can't. And nothing unclean will enter this heaven, as Revelation 21:27 makes clear. You see, my brother, from the dawn of time, it has been the will and the intention of God to bring about the family. To bring about his ecclesia, his assembly, his family. It is through the family that society is built. It is through the family that we live and breathe. It is through the family that we serve and give adoration to our God, our Savior the one mediator between God and man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, through his good pleasure, gives you and me the opportunity to have some small share. Why would he? I'm not worth it. I have no idea about you. But I can tell you without doubt, I am not worth the effort to let me have some part. But he does. Because he, unlike me, is a good father. And no good father allows their kids to sit on the couch lazy when there's work to be done in the family. And so he makes the whole family be about the business. His mother, his brothers, his sisters, his father, the paraclete, all are about the business of salvation of souls. It is the whole family, the one body, the one loaf, the one church. There is not many. There is only one. And from the very earliest days, it is very clear. Sacred scripture and even the early church fathers, it is so clear. As Saint Ignatius of Antioch in the, in the year 110 AD would say in his letter to the Samaritans, do everything with your bishop. Because where the bishop is, like Christ, there is the Catholic church. 110 AD. The word Catholic is used to describe the church. It it was used as a way to preach against the heretics who would deny Christ in the face of persecution. My brother, the Catholic Church is the one church that Christ founded. He did not uh, found many. He only founded one He is the Savior. Let there be no doubt. There are no other saviors, but there are plenty of heroic men and women who have gone before us as saints who do nothing but point us back to Christ. And you would reject them? Oh, my friend, please never, 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 never look Christ in the eye and say, I will not have your mother. Never. When he would give it to you so gladly, so willingly, so, e- so eagerly give you his own mother whose only desire is for your salvation. What person goes to a friend's house, meets the mom, and, and cold heart rejects her? No one ever. Why would we reject the mother of our Lord and Savior who would give so much for us? The one church is Christ he is the head of the church. He is our king. He is the king of kings. The apostles, the bishops, they simply serve at his pleasure. And some of them are great and some of them aren't. And all will be judged for their sins. And so will I. And so will you. But she, the Ra, like is in First Kings chapter 1, she intercedes for you and me. She begs the Lord for mercy for us because... We're knuckleheads. She loves us so much that every time I spit in the eye of her son through my personal sins, she begs her son to have mercy on me. And I sin so much. Why would I ever reject her? Why? Who loves me more? Who? Who outside of Christ loves me more than the Blessed Mother? Who, who loves you more than the saints in heaven who are interceding for you right now because they want exactly what God wants. Ahim, please stop thinking that Catholics do not accept Jesus as their Savior because we did it 1,500 years before Martin Luther and anybody else did it. He is the only Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. We hope you'll stick around and listen to the show more often. Well, that was great. <laughs> that was heavy.
4: Heavy stuff, man. That was great, Joe. Uh, praise be to God for that. And uh, and yeah, I hope Aham is still listening. I don't know if he dropped in, dropped the comment, and, and bailed. But Aham, if you're still listening, let us know. Uh, let us know what you thought, what you think. Uh, praise be to God for it. You know, I as a cradle Catholic, I, I will never understand the um, – the hatred for Our Lady, or the disdain, or the apathy toward Our Lady—it just boggles my mind. It just grew up as as just part of my life to love love God and to love Our Lady. It's, it was part of my very being from the earliest ages. I, I just cannot imagine uh, not having Our Lady with me. It it boggles my mind, and even the reformers—Calvin, uh, Luther, um, Zwingli—all accepted. The, the immaculate conception of Our Lady and the Marian dogmas that the Catholic Church accepts, the Reformers all believed it because it was so ingrained in us to have a mother. So, I, I think that's very important for us to keep in mind to remember that this is our, this is our patrimony. This is our family. The, the saints in heaven are not dead. We don't believe in soul sleep. Where No, God is God of the living and the souls in heaven are alive. And we can be friends with them. We can love them. They can love us and be friends with us. Uh, and I think we we lose these sense, uh, but yet at the same time we get that initial reaction where we pray to our dead parents and grandparents, but we uh, we but when our Lord's parents, our Lord's family, they they are different somehow. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I think it's very important. I think Joe said that incredibly well. And I, God bless everyone who um, who's struggling with this dogma because Our Lady is the the sure path to heaven she is uh, and if if you reject her I'd, I'd hate to be you on judgment day so yeah we're about one minute before the end of the show though so who is sherry Blumquest? who is our guest tomorrow uh she is a um she wrote a book from aesop to um i can't remember the name of the book at the moment but she talked about uh literature for children how do we get our children able to read these large tomes like the Iliad, the Odyssey, uh, Shakespeare. Do we just hand them these books or how do we build them up to start to read these uh, great adult literature? Uh, So that's the conversation we're having tomorrow. That
5: should
2: be good. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. Uh, Thank you for hanging out with us. You guys make it so special. Really, you really do. We're very grateful to you. Don't forget, I'm going to be sending out the email today, giving you the third installment of my series of talks called The Radical Choice. That'll hit around lunchtime-ish. So if you're not on the email list, join it at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Tomorrow, we're going to have a great lineup, including Jason Jones. We're going to be talking about Hollywood and, I guess, the classics. So join us, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Catholic Drive Time. God love you. Thank you for joining us.